Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. You know, you might not be aware of this, but we're in a very real spiritual battle. And, you know, I believe our church is called to be on the front lines of that battle. Amen? You know, what's so cool is what Sean, what what Let Us Worship is doing is they're not just fighting on the front lines. I believe they're going behind enemy lines. They're going right into the enemy's territory, and they're just snatching people right out of hell. Amen? You guys, give, give God some more praise. Amen. Man, what a great night. What a great night. I want to join those that are uh, with us online, or welcome those that are with us online right now. We have people in Washington, Illinois, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia. You guys give it up for those joining us online. We're so glad you're with us today. We're glad all of you are here. If I've never had the pleasure of meeting you, I'd love to meet you after service. My name is Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. Something unique about our church, if you are new, we have a teaching team. So we have a live communicator at all of our campuses today, bringing you God's word live in person, which I love. So one more time, let's give some honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, for their vision. Everything you just saw, because of their vision, you know what, we all get to participate. If you're a giver, if you're on our dream team, if you're serving, you were every bit a part of that last night. Amen. When we get to heaven, you're getting credit too. Amen. So it's awesome to be a part of a winning team. And we're in a great series. This this is so timely, the series that we're in. We're talking about the dog days of summer and how... How we can get a little lazy, get a little lackadaisical in our faith. You know, dog days of summer gets hot. How many of you like it hot? Yeah? Okay, I don't like any of you. You can just leave right now. I'm always hot natured, so I sweat. I, I've got, my, I've got my, uh, my T.D. Jake sweat rag up here today. I, I always sweat. I'm always hot. Sometimes I go to the front door and answer it, and people are like, man, you've you been working out? And I was like, I'm peeling an orange, but you know, I'm just pouring sweat. So we, we battle in the offices all the time about Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Penny are always turning it, the temperature up, I'm always turning it down. So we have an executive team meeting and Pastor Penny goes in there before me. So I'm in the meeting and I'm pouring, so I'm like, man, it's really hot today. And she falls out of her chair laughing. She put it to like 78 degrees. I'm just like soaking wet. So they, they, they have... They have fun with me. But, you know, summer comes, and what do we think about? We think about having a good time, right? We think about vacation. Where, where are we going this summer, right? Anybody got some cool vacation plans? Maybe going to the beach, having, having fun with And that's all great, right? But we can't forget about God. We can't forget about the most important thing in our life, which should be our pursuit of God. And what I want to talk to you about today is being committed to the pursuit. Everybody say committed. 
want to challenge you today. Is it all right if I step on your toes a little bit? Yeah? You guys ready for that today? Because I want to challenge you to, to up your game spiritually, to be committed to the pursuit. You know when the police get in, engage in a high-speed chase. You ever, ever seen one of those on TV, right? We all know the famous ones, right? But, you know, there's, there's ones that uh, live in our memory. But, you know, the police, we see these on television sometimes. They engage in a high-speed pursuit. They're on the highway. They're going over 100 miles an hour. The bad guy's trying to get away. There are police coming over. There's a helicopter over. You know, when you're seeing that, you know, the police have to make a decision whether or not they're going to commit to the pursuit. Because sometimes... The, the, the risk to the public is too great. Sometimes maybe the risk to the officer is too great. And sometimes they say, abort, call it off, call off the pursuit. It's not worth it. And I believe sometimes in our Christian life, we've come to church and we've heard this great message about God's love and God does love you. We've heard this great message about forgiveness and God does forgive. We hear this great message about healing and God does heal. And those things sound so wonderful, and we raise our hand because we want to be a part of that. And I want God to heal me. I want God to forgive me. I want God to love me. Man, I want, to, I, want to, I want to receive this. But then the reality of life kicks in, and when we find out that being a disciple of Jesus comes with a little bit of risk. Sometimes when we find out being a disciple of Jesus is going to cost me something. It's not going to be a bed of roses. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be some risks involved. There's going to be some resistance. We faced some resistance last night. Sometimes there's going to be some pushback, some resistance, some risk. And when we encounter that risk, sometimes I believe we call off the pursuit. Spiritually, we decide, you know what, let's abort this pursuit of God. Let's call this off because maybe the risk is too great. And so let's turn in our Bibles today to Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, your apps, open them up. Should always read along, amen. I could be leading you straight. I could be preaching out of second Hezekiah. You wouldn't even know. You got to follow along, amen. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start reading in verse 13. This is the ending. Jesus is kind of wrapping up. He's putting a bow on the greatest sermon that was ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to read it for yourself, it's Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. We're going to read several passages today from uh, Matthew chapter 7. But I wanted to start here because I think this is so important. Jesus says, Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate. We don't like that. We don't, we don't like narrow. Our society, our world today, we don't like narrow. It says, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And few, and those who find it are few. We don't like that. We don't like the fact that God would say there's one way. We don't like the fact that Jesus would tell us that the gate is narrow. And I believe sometimes, you know, in our country especially, we always are kind of looking for the shortcut, right? We always are kind of looking for the get-rich-quick scheme, the easy formula. We want the the, the special diet plan that's going to make me skinny. Can I get an amen? Maybe it's the Mediterranean diet, you know, or the Egyptian diet, the Australian diet. I mean, who knows what they're going to come out with next, right? And, you know, it's really not that complex. I've, I've learned that. Um, you just eat stuff that doesn't taste very good and work out. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not a little, I like to say fluffy. I'm not a little fluffy because I don't understand 
Like, I get it. I just don't like salads, right? People ask, would you like a salad? No, I would not. That's my answer. Just bring the entree. I would not like the salad. If you bring the salad, I won't like it. I don't like it. It's not, hard. It's not complex. It's just difficult. Amen? just difficult. And now the big craze now is, is all these uh, vitamins you can buy, these elixirs. These t- you know, you can take, take the vitamins, order the vitamins for $39.95. It's a $200 value. Come on, we're giving you a special $39.95. And you can get these vitamins and it's going to make you healthy. It's going to solve all your problems. And we kind of laugh. We know, right? And we kind of know in our heart that these shortcuts, these, these, these get rich quick things, we kind of know they don't work, right? Right? We know they don't work. But at one in the morning, when you're watching the infomercial, right? I mean, I ordered the Total Gym. Just had a yard sale. It was covered in dust. (laughs) Great place to hang your clothes, right? And you know what? We fall for it because we we all want, we all wish that there was this shortcut to make life easy. We all want there to be some kind of special formula. Our sinful nature always craves the easy way. It always craves the magic shortcut. But there's one big reason that life doesn't work that way. And it's because if there was a magic formula that you could follow, if there was some secret recipe to life, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need God. And the truth is, is that Christianity, it's not a formula, it's a life-giving connection with God himself. It's about you having a relationship with a person. It's not, it's not a learned skill, it's not a set of formulas or techniques or beliefs. I don't want to burst your bubble today, but there's no special prayer that's going to unlock God's blessing in your life. There's no magic sequence you can put the words in. There's no special revelation that's just going to fix everything. And we laugh about the workout deal. We laugh about the diet plans and all that stuff. We kind of, you know. But spiritually, the problem is, is we, we, we really do this. Because sometimes we come to church and we hope that, well, this Sunday I'm going to come to church and Pastor Troy, he's going to have some special word from God, some secret, some magic formula, some revelation I've never heard before. And he's going to preach some new thing and it's going to fix me. It's going to heal my broken heart. It's going, to, it's going to give me access to God. I'm going to be able to really follow God now because now I'm going to learn the secret. I'm going to learn this new concept. But see, really our job as pastors, as preachers, is, is not so much to come up here and preach great content. I hope you learned something today. That's great. But I'm not here to give you great content. I'm here to bring conviction. It's conviction, not content, that's going to change your life because you can learn a bunch of stuff, but this isn't a spiritual TED Talk. And as much as I can give you great points and you can take notes and learn all these amazing things, unless the Holy Spirit reaches into your chest and grabs hold of your heart, changes the way you think, changes the way you believe, draws you to a place where you're going to leave here and live differently then nothing I say is really going to matter in your life. And so it's not about content. We want great content, but it's really about conviction. And I hope you're open today for the Holy Spirit to convict you.
to challenge your heart. Really, the job of the preacher, the job of Jesus, what Jesus came to do. Wasn't we always say, you know, Jesus came to love everybody, and he does love everybody, but God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to do one thing, to put you and I to a decision. Jesus came to challenge you. The Bible says this is the judgment that the light came and men love the darkness rather than the light. See, Jesus separates. Jesus comes to put you and I to a point of decision. To make that decision in my own heart, the light has come. Do I want the light? Do I really want to pursue God? Am I really committed to the pursuit? Because when you commit to the pursuit, there's going to be some opposition. I want to read you that passage again. This is in the message translation. I just love the way he puts it. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. I don't believe there's such a thing as casual Christianity. I love this quote by Billy Graham. It really hits home. He says, if Christianity is important at all, then it is all important. If it is anything at all, then it is everything. It is either the most vital thing in your life or it isn't worth bothering with. You've got to make a decision. The time of riding the fence, of playing the middle is over. Today's the day. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here to challenge you today to make a commitment to pursue God like never before. Amen? Amen. Well, I've got some commitments that I want to talk to you about today. And I hope at the end of the message, you'll be ready to accept this challenge, to make these commitments. So let's get started. Number one, if you're taking notes today, you want to write this down. I will pursue God on his terms. I will pursue God on his terms. In verse 14, Jesus tells us that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Narrow. The gate to God is exclusive. There's not nine gates. There's not 15 gates. There's not 27 doors to God. And the world today hates that because our society wants you to believe that there's all these different ways to God. You can pursue God in whatever feels right to you. If you're a Muslim, that's okay. If you're you know, Hindu, that's okay. If you're just spiritual, that's okay. If you just you know, believe in a universal force, that's okay. Our culture tells us that there are many doorways, and if we don't accept that, that we're narrow-minded. I love to go back and watch these interviews. You can go on YouTube and find them, Larry King, Oprah, whatever it is, but these late-night shows, and they'll bring a famous pastor on, Joel Osteen or Billy Graham or Jimmy Swire, whoever, and they'll bring them on there, and they always try to trap them with some question to make them seem narrow-minded. Like, you mean to tell me if people don't believe just like you? So a good person, a, 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 a Buddhist, a, a Muslim person that really is a good person and they really want to pursue God, if they don't believe just like you, they're going to hell. And they put the pastor to this point where if he says, he, he loses either way, right? Because if he says yes, then he looks small-minded and narrow and like, you know. But, but if not, he has to walk away from what he really believes, and see, it's easy when we're in here today and I say the gate is narrow. And we just read that, right? Jesus said the gate is narrow, right? Everybody say narrow. narrow. Say narrow. narrow. See, it's easy in here. We're amongst friends. And we say narrow. It's great. 
But when you're at work, when you're with your family, when you're with unbelievers who challenge that, well, how do you know? How do you know that there's only one way? How do you know that the Bible is true? How do you know that there's a God? How do you know? And really what it is, is it's a false humility hiding a pride and an arrogance because we don't want to be judged by an almighty God. I don't want to stand before this God who knows my heart, who sees me inside and out, and I don't want him to tell me that I'm not living right. That I've got sin in my heart and people want to avoid that. And so because of that pride in our heart, and we all have it, amen? Many times I don't want God to see my heart. I don't want God. David said, where can I hide from you, God? Because once you realize what's really inside you and that God can see it, man, you just want to hide. And so we hide under this, this false humility of maybe, well, I just don't understand. I don't want to be, maybe there's multiple ways to God. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. There's one way. The Bible says there's one name given under heaven whereby men can be saved. There's one way. But how can you know? How can you be sure? Listen, it really isn't that hard. People ask me, well, you know, how do you know you know your wife? Well, I, I know. I talked to her this morning. It's not that confusing, right? People don't go around, well, you know, I know my friend Joe. And say, well, how do you know you know him? What do you mean, how do I know I know them? Because see, the world, people who don't have the Holy Spirit, look at religion. They look at what you and I believe or experience. People look at it as something we read in a book. And they don't understand. It's not that. It's a, it's a relationship with God. So how do you know you know your Well, I know my wife. I talked to her this morning. She's sitting right there. I know my wife. And listen, I can introduce you to my wife. I can give you her phone number. You can call my wife. Well, what if I want to use a different number? Well, then you'll get a different Tammy. Because <laughs> there's one set of digits that will get you my wife. And God gave us the phone number to heaven. His name is Jesus. God wrapped himself in human flesh, came down, died on a cross, and said, this is the way. You can access God anytime you want. You can talk to the Father anytime you want. I'm about to read you some more scripture where Jesus says, God is here. He loves you. He's a good dad. He will respond to you. But there's one way. And we have to make a decision in our heart that, listen, I'm not judging God. God's judging me. I've got to deal with God. I've got to pursue God on his terms. I love this quote. By C.S. Lewis, he says, apart from this linguistic barrier I've met, is almost the total absence from the minds of my audience of any sense of sin. The ancient man, people, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, they approach God or even the gods as the accused person approaches his judge. For modern man, the roles are reversed. He is the judged. God is in the dock. The trial may even end in God's acquittal, but the important thing is that man is on the bench and God is in the dock. Remember years ago, I was at a young adult uh, meeting and I was grilling out and somebody brought this young man to me and they said, hey, you know, I want, want you to talk to him. He doesn't know the Lord and all this. And I began to talk to this young man and he proceeded to tell me how much he knew about religion. Oh, I've read the Quran. I've read the Bible cover to cover. I've been to college. I've studied world religions. I know all about the religions. And, you know, I'm just not convinced. And 
after a few moments, the Lord kind of spoke to my heart, and I kind of stopped him. I said, hey, man, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I get all that, but the Lord just kind of spoke to me. And here's the thing, man. You know Jesus is the way, and I know Jesus is the way. You don't want to give your heart to Jesus because you don't want to stop sinning. And it was like I hit him. I mean, he just kind of took a step back, and then he kind of smiled. And he said, you know what? You're right. He said, I've got sin. I've got things in my life. I kind of like the way my life is. And see, people kind of know that when you get real with God, not just play church, not just come once every six months because you say you've been. What's your pastor's name? Oh, J Jim, Larry, Bob. Um, not play church, but like you're getting serious with God that Jesus is going to mess with you. He's going to make you change things in your life. He's going, to, he's going to mess with your heart. And that's that decision that I'm talking about. And so we have to be committed to the pursuit, but not the pursuit on our terms. Because listen, you might be in here today and you might be searching for God. You don't get to pick the day. You don't get to pick the time. You don't get to pick the place. You don't get to pick the how. He's the judge. He's the judge of our heart. And so if God's here, if his Holy Spirit is pulling on you today, listen, today is the day. Don't put it off. We don't pick the time. We don't pick the place. God does. So we have to pursue God, and we have to pursue God on his own terms. The second commitment that I want to challenge you to make today is that I will accept God's standard. I will accept God's standard. Not the world's standard, not my own standard. I want to read this. This is in Matthew 7. Jesus, again speaking, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for everyone who asks, receives. See, he's setting a new normal. And the, new, and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Man, what is Jesus telling us in this passage? He's telling us an important principle, and that is that God is never the problem. God's not in heaven withholding from you. God's not up in heaven choosing not to heal and save and bless and deliver. No, the problem is with us. Too often we don't ask. We don't pursue. We're not committed to the pursuit. And so there's some risk, there's some resistance, and we pull back. But Jesus tells us God is not the problem. And Jesus paints a new picture of normal. Jesus says, listen, if you're a human father and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, and listen, I know how to give good gifts to my kids, right? I, I know how to bless my kids. I, I, my kids ask me for things. I know how to give them a good gift. And I'm a broken dad. Like, I'm a human. I'm, I'm sinful. I'm, I, I'm not a perfect dad. I, I pale in comparison to the, the, the heavenly father. Amen? If I know how to give good gifts to my kids and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does God know how to give you exactly what you need? But you've got to be willing to accept a new normal. We get stuck with this perception we have of life and our standards to measure spiritual things get distorted by the world around us. I heard this story the other day about an old man. He was pushing 80 years old. And every day of his life, he would get up, 
started getting ready. And he would get sick on his stomach. He would vomit. Can you imagine that? Like for your whole life, like for years. I remember when my wife, when she was pregnant and seeing her get, you know, nauseous. and so, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, terrible. And that was for a few months. Imagine 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Every day he wakes up and he vomits. So his friends find out about this and they're telling like, man, that's nuts. Like, have you gone to the doctor? And he said, no, why would I go to the doctor? They said, what do you mean? You need to go to the doctor right away. And so he's, well, fine, okay, I'll go to the doctor. So he goes to the doctor. The friends let the doctor know that something was going on. And so he's there with the doctor and the doctor greets him. He starts to do the medical exam and he's like, hey, how you feeling? And the old man says, feel great, never felt better. The doctor says, okay. He starts to take his blood pressure. He starts to work him over. And he says, man, are you sure you're okay? Like your stomach's okay? Oh, yeah, I feel good. Everything's great. He said, you don't have any problems. And the guy said, no, what, what, no, I'm good. The doctor finally got impatient. He said, man, hold up a second. Your friends let me know. Is it true you wake up every day and you vomit? And the man said, yeah, doesn't everybody? <laughs> you see, he had accepted that as normal. That became his everyday life, and he thought you and I did the same thing. He thought living that way was the way we were supposed to live. But Jesus is always adjusting our perspective of normal. He's always shifting how we see the world. How are you forming your perception of normal? Have you been conditioned to be lukewarm towards God? Is lukewarm normal for you? Is depressed normal? Is sick normal? Is poor and broke and beat up and beat down? Is that normal? Well, that's how everybody else lives. Man, God wants to set you free. Well, what do you mean? Doesn't everybody live this way? Because we've been conditioned by the world to believe that the way we live and the weights we carry are just normal. And Jesus says, no. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, you don't think God in heaven knows how to set you free? Knows how to set a new normal in your life. I want you to imagine something for just a moment. Imagine in your mind somebody, maybe they live in your neighborhood, somebody you know. And that person that you know, they never, they never use profanity. Like you've never heard them say, in fact, you've never heard them say a negative word. They don't drink or party or do drugs or anything like that. Never have. They've never had any kind of sexual sin in their life. They've never been depressed or down. They go to church every time the doors are open. They're in church. They pray a lot. Read the Bible every day. Know the Bible backward and forward. They're kind. Everybody that knows them likes them. They're sharing their faith with people. They live in the miraculous. I mean, this person, like, I mean, walks on water. I mean, just amazing life. Now, when you think of that person, is that person normal? Do you think they're normal or not? No. Look what the enemy's done to our mind. God began to show me that a couple months ago, that a person like that is just, when you get to heaven, that's going to be a Monday. That's going to be a normal Monday afternoon. When you see an angel fly by in heaven, you're not going to freak out and drop your coffee. You don't wreck your car when you see a plane fly by, right? Because it's normal. You see fl planes fly all the time. Listen, when you understand a new normal, you begin to see and experience spiritual things totally different. Because God did not design you to live the way we've accepted in this world. We've been sold a bill of goods, and God wants to give us 
a new normal. And I'm not going to legalistically get up here today and I'm not going to tell you what your new normal is. Your normal is different than my normal. We're all on a journey, a process with God. Amen? None of us have it perfect. But I want to give you some homework. I want to give you some things you can do to help adjust your new normal. You ready? I want you to write these down. This isn't a new point. This is just my wife fussed at me because I got people confused. This is just some homework for you to take home. This is not a new point. Be clear. Homework. Write it down. Homework. Number one, read something about a great man or woman of God. Read something about somebody that will inspire you. Easy one, go to Google, Google search why God used D.L. Moody. Amazing. Just a few pages, rock your world. One thing I loved about, about D.L. Moody when I was reading his story is he met his normal was he would not go to sleep at night unless he had shared his faith with someone else. So one day he was getting in bed, it was almost midnight, and he realized he hadn't shared Jesus with anybody. So he gets up, gets fully dressed, cleans up, shaves, everything, whatever, and goes out on the streets at almost midnight to find someone to share Jesus with. Because that was his normal. And you know what? That might not be your normal. That might not be my normal. But I want to encourage you today, get a new normal. Let God adjust your normal to take a step further in your walk with God. The second homework thing, and this one's really practical, is you need to find a leader in this church and give them permission to be honest with you. So many of us go through life, and you know, I live a very blessed life. I've got very little to complain about. I'm very blessed. You know, one of the reasons I think I am very happy and very blessed is because I have a pastor. Like, I have a spiritual covering over me that prays for me and encourages And if I start to get off track, my pastor can tell me, hey, whoa. But most people don't have a pastor. And if you ask most people who's your pastor, oh, yeah, I go to so-and-so church and that's my pastor. But listen, unless you've given someone permission to pastor you, you don't have a pastor. Because having a guy that stands up here and just talks to you once a week, that's not it. You need a leader. You need someone that can help you and connect with you personally that you'll listen to. Amen? And when you ask somebody in this church, and listen, we got tons of leaders here. We have life group leaders. You can go to and say, listen, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. I don't feel like I'm serving God. What should I do? Listen, they'll tell you. They'll help you. And then listen, this is what you need to do. Do what they say. So often I've quit giving people advice because they'll say, hey, what should I do? And I tell them and they don't do it. Can I get an amen? How many of you give people advice and they ignore it? It's the most frustrating thing in the world, isn't it? But you know what? There are people here that love you, that care about you, and they're not going. Nobody's interested in controlling your life, amen. Well, I've got too many things to do. <laughs> but if you need advice, if you need somebody to pray with you, hey, I'm not. I don't feel engaged. Man, there are people here that will help you, that will challenge you. The third thing is start praying dangerous prayers. Start praying dangerous prayers. Not just, oh God, bless me, forgive me for my sins, Lord. Thank you for this taco. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that's, that's about as spiritual, as dangerous as a prayer. God, make the hot sauce, you know, God, sometimes. I mean, that's about as dangerous as we get with our prayers. And you know what? I want to challenge you today. Start to pray dangerous prayers again. Start to pray prayers. God, stretch me like I've never been stretched before. God, push me to live in faith where, God, if I either believe you or I drown, God. God, push me beyond my comfort zone, God. Begin to pray prayers that's going to stretch your faith. Man, I started doing that. I'm going to tell you, the last few years, God answered in spades. Amen? He'll do it. 
He'll put you in those situations, but you got to quit praying safe prayers and start praying dangerous prayers. If you do that, God will give you a new normal. You know, cruise control, great in your car, great on the highway, but deadly in your spiritual walk. If you just get saved, if you just come to church and then you accept Christ, but then you just put your spiritual life on cruise control, that is the most deadly thing in the world to your spiritual growth. You need to be challenged and you need people that will challenge you. So we have to be committed to not get stuck in my normal. Listen, whatever you're dealing with today, not normal. God has something better for you. God wants to pull you higher. Wherever your spiritual walk is, God has more for you. God wants you to challenge you to take another step today. Amen? Amen. The third and final commitment is I will build my house on the rock. I will build my house on the rock. Let's read. This is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is ending the message. He's ending the sermon. And I love the way he ends it. He says, everyone then who, heard, who hears these words of mine and does them. Everybody say obedience. Say obedience. Say obedience. Man, obedience is important. He says, who hears these words of mine and not just hear, but does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And listen, not just fell, it says, and great was the fall of it. Don't we see that all around us? We saw it last night. I mean, people depressed and addicted, lives are falling apart. And when you don't have Jesus, when you don't build your life on the rock, your life isn't just going to fall. It's going to fall in a great way. There's going to be a crash. And the thing we learn from this verse is so important. The one thing I can promise you today is that no matter whether you're committed to the pursuit or not, the storms are going to come. To both people, the storms came. The, the rain fell. The wind blew. Beat against the house, no matter whether you're serving God with all your heart or you're not. Either way, the storms are going to come. There's only one question. Will your life stand? Will you be ready? Is your life built on the rock? Are you committed to the pursuit? I want to close. I want to read you something, but I want to make one thing very clear. You need to be committed to the pursuit, not to performance. Because God loves you, God accepts you. Man, God, you're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. God loves you so much. And He loves you in spite of anything you've ever done. If He didn't, He wouldn't love me. Because I've messed up tons. God loves you. So it's not about performance. It's not about earning your way with God. It's about pursuing God. It's not about perfection. It's about being committed to pursue. No matter what, no matter what comes against me, I'm going to keep pursuing God. I want to read you this. This is from a discipleship journal. A lady named Susan Masonick wrote this. I just thought it was amazing. She said, The line between obedience and performance can be a blurry one. Yet, it's an important distinction to grasp because obedience leads to life 
in performance to death. Obedience is seeking God with your whole heart. Performance is having a quiet time because you'll feel guilty if you don't. Obedience is finding ways to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Performance is quickly scanning a passage so you can check it off your Bible reading plan. Been guilty of that one. Obedience is inviting guests to your home for dinner. Performance is feeling anxious about whether every detail of the meal will be perfect. Obedience is following God's prompting to start a small group. Performance is reluctance to let anyone else lead the group because they might not do it as well as you or maybe they'll do it better. Obedience is doing your best. Performance is wanting to be the best. Obedience is saying yes to whatever God asks of you. Performance is saying yes to whatever people ask of you. Obedience is following the promptings of God's Spirit. Performance is following a list of made man, man-made requirements. And lastly, obedience springs from the fear of God. Performance springs from the fear of failure. I'm not telling you to perform. I'm telling you to pursue. Pursue God with all your heart. You will not be disappointed. Amen? Would you stand on your feet with me today? I believe obedience in the New Testament church, the modern church, I think obedience kind of gets a bad rap. The problem is obedience has always been in the Bible. It's always been important with God. It's just changed places. See, in the Old Testament, you had to obey God in order to get salvation. But now... Obedience is not what we do to get saved. It's a result or evidence that we are saved. See, I obey God and I pursue God because He loves me. Because He pursued me first. Because He got hold of my heart. Because He saved me. He delivered me. He changed me. He loves me. He fills me. Because I've experienced that life. Man, I'm committed to the pursuit. And I have my days, I want to encourage you, I have my days where, man, I don't want to read, I don't want to pray, I don't want to come to church, but I'm committed. I'm committed to the pursuit. And those mornings I wake up, and I don't want to go to church. You know what? I do it anyway. I do it anyway. And let me tell you, those times in my life where I've been struggling, where I'm doubting, where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with fear, and I didn't feel like coming to church, but I was committed to the pursuit. So I got my rear end up, and I came to church anyway because I'm committed. You know what happened? God was here. We learned earlier, 100% attendance. God's not the problem. So if I'm committed to the pursuit, when I start getting off, when I start getting down, when the world starts to overcome me, I can rejoin with the one who's overcome the world because I'm committed to the pursuit. I love the way Sean did it last night. So I'm going to do... The same thing today. I'm not going to have you close your eyes, bow your heads, because I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and you shouldn't be either. And so I want to just give you an invitation right now. If you've never committed your heart to Jesus for the first time, you've never made him the Lord of your life, if that's you today, and you hear this message, and you're like, man, I want to change. I want my heart to belong to God. I want him to change me. If that's you right now, if you're watching online, and you want to respond to this, we have people that will pray with you. There's a button you can click in the chat. You can be a part of this with us. But if that's you today and you would say yes to Jesus, remember, it's His timing. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart right now, today's the day. 
Because tomorrow you might not feel that. Tomorrow is not promised. But if you feel God right now, if He's pulling on your heart, I want to encourage you right now to take a step of faith. If that's you and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to challenge you. Just raise your hand up right now. We want to pray a prayer together. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. If you're online, just lift your hand. There's something you can click in the chat. If that's you, just lift your hand right now and we're going to pray this prayer together. We're going to pray this prayer. Amen. And for those of you who already know the Lord, are you guys ready to pray a dangerous prayer? Yeah? Let's pray this together. Will you join in with me? Amen. Let's pray. Say, Father God, I believe. I believe. You died for me. You, you rose again. You're alive. I give you my heart. I give you my life. You are my Lord. I am saved. Right now. In Jesus' name. I receive that. By faith. And I want to pray a dangerous prayer. God, take me deeper than I've ever been before. Put me in situations where I have to use my faith. God, it's only you. Stretch me. I want to grow. I'm committed to the pursuit. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.